This is Radio Energy News. Hello and welcome to EN4 News. I'm Emma Cooper-Raven and here are today's top stories. As the UK progresses through this national living crisis, we find out more about how businesses are feeling about the winter months ahead. Whether it be utilities, uh, the cost of sales, wages, uh, you name it, it's gone up. We get an insight into how film houses closing throughout Scotland has impacted members of the public. They're kind of just missing that as like it's Scotland's problem when it's the whole UK's. And we find out more about the plans for the long-awaited completion of the tram line down in Leith. It will help us a lot, travelling between the city centre or even the airport from Leith Walk. The cost of living crisis is set to impact businesses this winter. Sophie Smith reports. The National Galleries of Scotland warns the government that it is struggling to keep its doors open due to a fall in visitors and earlier closing times. In a statement made by Sir John Layton, Director General of the National Gallery, he said the culture sector was badly affected during the pandemic and, like so many national and local cultural organisations, the National Galleries of Scotland is still in a period of recovery with visitor numbers and self-generated income still well below pre-COVID levels. On top of the lingering impact of the pandemic, we now have a cost of living crisis with rampant inflation and the prospect of dramatic increases in energy costs. Other businesses are feeling the pinch as well. Owner of the restaurant 51st in La Cantina, Paul Colan, said... For months and months now, we've been talking about the cost of living crisis in the media. Um, And I think it's actually inaccurate because it should be the cost of living and the cost of business crisis. Uh, because there's not a single commodity within our hospitality business that hasn't uh, increased, uh, whether it be utilities, uh, the cost of sales, wages, uh, you name it, it's gone up. Uh, And if you can imagine how difficult it is for a household to maintain a, a, a tight budget, you can imagine how difficult it is for a hospitality business like ours to try and maintain a budget when costs are rising all the time. After Thursday's news that the film house in Edinburgh and Aberdeen are closing down, people are wondering what this means for the Scottish cinema. Our reporter Yeva Ozola finds out more. Scotland is losing its cinema after an announcement was made last Thursday that the Edinburgh Film House and Belmont in Aberdeen are closing immediately. 102 staff members have lost their jobs with no notice. The Edinburgh International Film Festival has also gone into administration following the news from the Centre for the Moving Image. I talked to Elze Vosbenaite, the organiser of the Shortscape Film Festival, to find out what this news means to the film community. It's like a really big loss for a film community in the whole Scotland, I think, because Film House is like the main indie sort of film hub for everyone to go to, and Edinburgh Film Festival is one of the oldest film festivals existing in the world, and it's like the main festival of Scottish film industry. All of them have lost a cinema where to do these screenings. It's really sad because it's also not just the cinema, it's like a whole community where people gather and meet each other. People who are in my course, the way they found love for cinema is they attended like film festivals, in that cinema none of us know the future of it so it's a shame. The film industry brings in 500 million pounds to the Scottish economy annually. The absence of the Edinburgh Film Festival means losing essential training and development opportunities for new filmmakers. The announcement came as the London Film Festival had its premiere. To Elsa it seems like cinema only matters in London. 
right now they're in London there's happening the BFI Film Festival and there was a this industry talk where the BFI director sort of acknowledging the news but these are the people that can do something it's really sad to see that no one really cares about it they're kind of just missing that as like it's Scotland's problem when it's the whole UK's the film house organized a candlelit vigil last night where a devastated community gathered and held up signs like we want to see films again and save the cinema there is a petition on the internet that you can sign and they're trying to get 10,000 signatures. It's just little things that can help, but it's not really in our hands to do some big, big decisions. But it's important that these news are spread around. It's tough times for the film industry, but a film is nothing without an audience. The countless support gives hope that cinema in Scotland has not died just yet. The tram work down in Leith is set to be completed early next year, with the construction in its final stages. Emma Barton reports. Edinburgh's tramline to New Haven will go live soon, says Edinburgh Council, as works are on target to be completed by Easter 2023. The £207 million project is within its final stages. Extensions are to be laid by the end of this year, preparing for full electrification through the newly installed overhead lines. The first electrified section will be between St Andrews Square and Elm Row, which is set to happen late this November. This will then be followed by the electrification of the whole New Haven route in December, allowing for tests to begin in the start of the new year. There will be a stop in tram services at the West End to allow for the energisation of the extensions, as the power needs to be shut off. I spoke with Scott Arthur, Head of Transport at Scottish Parliament, who spoke to me about the works and the completion of the project. So the, the hope to have the, the tram working and accepting fair paying passengers uh, by spring 2023 uh, most of the works will be completed by the end of this year. So between the end of this year and spring, uh, there's a lot, quite a lot of testing that's going on. So there'll be trams run along the line empty, uh, just to make sure everything's going okay, and training the drivers, and just making sure it's safe. Due to the works, there has been major traffic disruption and congestion across the city, particularly in Leith. We spoke with members of the public who are looking forward to the completion of the line. It will help us a lot. Travelling between the city centre or even the airport from Leithwalk. Yeah, because the tram will stop literally at our flat <clears throat> and then we can just jump on it and get into town very easily. Um, hopefully it's going to be much quicker. There's not, obviously no cars on the road and stuff, so we are looking forward to it. At the start of the new year, Edinburgh residents will be happy to see the trams running along the route for the first time and by spring, passengers will be welcome aboard for cross-city journeys. The first ever Amber Alert, Amber Alert warning has been issued in the UK for desperate need of blood donations. Here's Neve McCabe with more. Blood supplies in the UK have fallen critically low, forcing the NHS department that manages donations to declare its first ever Amber warning. I'm here at Chalmers Hospital in Edinburgh in their blood donation centre with worker Jared Clark with more. So at work just now, it's just been a really stressful past few weeks. Um, our first ever Amber Warning in the UK for the need of blood donors has just been released. been getting really busy. There's nowhere near enough blood donors for the amount of blood that we need, and particularly the types O negative and O positive. As well, COVID has shown that a lot less people are likely to donate blood now just due to fear of coming out of the house and potential implications of that. And this is now leading on to a knock-in effect within the NHS due to delayed operations and other areas. 
is. In a bid to protect their supplies, the NHS are advising hospitals to postpone non-urgent operations requiring blood to ensure they are focusing on patients who need it most. Hospitals are calling for people with O negative and O positive blood types to come forward and donate. Jennifer Gibson, a regular blood donor, shares her experiences with donating blood. I used to be opposed to giving blood. I think it was because of the lack of knowledge I had around the subject and um, so I did a bit of research by myself and I realised that it is a great thing to do and I would encourage anyone to do it and it makes you feel great after it, you feel like you've done something right and there's always positives that come from it and I would encourage anyone that's interested in the topic to kind of educate yourself and think of the great things that can come from it. To register or give blood, you can go to the link www.blood.co.uk forward slash or call 03001232323. And now for today's political news. I am joined by political correspondent Thomas McCabe. Now, Thomas, give us an update on the latest political stories. Uh, I was at the SNP conference in Aberdeen, and one of the main talking points over the conference was the SNP released some ideas sharing their plan for an independent Scottish economy. These ideas attempt to answer some of the key questions of the previous referendum, including the setting up of a Scottish central bank. Nicola Sturgeon also said an independent Scotland would continue to use the pound up until it is viable to use a new currency, the Scottish pound. Talking about the economy, how much has Liz Truss's tax U-turns affected her position and the Tory party in general? Significantly. Liz Truss is under an extreme amount of pressure from within the Tory party as well as externally from the markets. After reversing her tax cut for the highest earners, the Bank of England still needed to step in to stabilise the markets, which haven't fully settled yet. This has led to a conflict within the Tory party as some try to rally around the Prime Minister, and that's more or less to stop a total collapse before the next election, although confidence in her leadership is shaky at best. They're caught in a catch-22, and there really isn't a viable option to replace her as leader of the Tory party and Prime Minister, but there is still a desperate lack of trust and confidence within the party. And this is not ideal as we navigate a difficult winter, and people really do struggle which will put pressure on politicians, especially regarding the cost of living crisis, which I suspect will be reflected on Question Time, which is in Musselburgh and is on tonight at 10.40pm on BBC One. Thomas McCabe, thank you very much. With the cost of living crisis at a high, the restaurant and hospitality industry has been struck badly. Businesses are having to make tough decisions. Here is Emma McAndrew with more. Doors locked, seats empty, lights off. It's not the usual description you would give of your local pub, but it's now the bleak reality facing many due to a rise in energy bills. The increase in electricity prices has led to the Waverley Hotel in Bonnyrigg reducing its opening hours as they can no longer afford to open for full days. The pub's landlord, Gary Lindsay, tells us about the impact this is having on his business. It went to £1,000. It went to £1,400, it went to £1,500, the last one, £1,911. So we calculated that that's roughly £7,000 went out of the business for heating alone. So we had to try something. If it worked, great. If no, I don't know how we'll continue. 
The Waverley Hotel in Bonnyrigg has been serving the local community for 125 years, but now they're left unsure of whether they're going to survive the next six months, and they're not the only ones. According to Nucleus Commercial Finance, 72% of pub owners feel that the current cost of living crisis is a cause for concern, and almost one quarter fear that their business won't survive until the end of the financial year. Gary says that the financial situation now is worse than what he experienced during the pub's closure due to Covid. With winter just around the corner and the energy crisis showing no signs of slowing down, is there much of a future left for our local pubs? Now for a look at some of today's international stories, here is Gregor McRae with more. Countries allied to Ukraine have announced deliveries of advanced air defence weapons following days of intense Russian attacks. The pledge comes from the UK, Canada, France and the Netherlands, following similar announcements from the US and Germany. Overnight, Russian missiles struck the city of Mykolaiv and so-called kamikaze drones hit targets in the Kiev region. Here's UK Defence Secretary Ben Wallace. Today, at, you know, the NATO meeting is all about making sure we are ready for anything. I mean, that is the job of this alliance, is to make sure that the 30 partners together are ready for what is thrown at us. There's a warning that the world's environment could face catastrophic consequences because of a decline in natural wildlife. The WWF says populations have fallen by around 70% in less than 50 years. Mike Barrett from the conservation groups wants products linked with deforestation to be removed from British shops. If we don't have the government legislate now to get deforesting commodities out of our supply chains, we remain complicit in this catastrophe introduce a law that says if a product contains products that have been produced on recently deforested land, no. An American conspiracy theorist has been ordered to pay nearly £870 million in damages for claiming the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting was a hoax. A judge in Connecticut said Alex Jones must now compensate the victims' families. Mr Jones is now urging his supporters to help him raise money. Victims say his misinformation led to years of death threats from his followers. Robbie Parker lost his six-year-old daughter, Emily. For anybody that still chooses to listen to that man, just ask yourself, what has he ever given you? And compare that to whatever it is that he's taken from you. Do you still have your family members with you? Do they still believe in you and trust you? What have you ever gotten from him? And what has he taken from you too? That's all for now. Back to you, Emma. A Liberal Democrat MSP has proposed a landmark bill that plans to legislate assisted dying in Scotland. Neve McCabe reports. Scottish Liberal Democrat MSP Liam MacArthur has won the right to introduce a member's bill to legalise assisted dying for terminally ill people in Scotland. This would make Scotland the first in the UK to legalise the right to end one's life. Speaking to nurse Angela Kizmirzak, she gives her support on the pressing issue. I'm all for people's choice. People shouldn't have to suffer. You wouldn't let a dog or a cat or MDS suffer. So why should we have to suffer? I mean, some terminal illnesses and that you see some people really, really struggling. I think as long as you can prove or that that person has capacity to make these decisions, they're of kind of sane mind, then yes, definitely, I think people should be have the choice if that's what they want. MacArthur will now work with the Scottish Parliament's non-governmental bills unit to draft a bill, which he aims to introduce to the Parliament in early 2023. MacArthur said this on his Instagram page, voiced by Aaron Proctor. I believe that terminally ill people in Scotland should be able to access safe and compassionate assisted dying if they choose, rather than the potential of a prolonged and painful death. However, one group in the NHS will carry a big weight if the bill gets passed. 
the mental health sector, they will have to make the decision of who has mental capacity to end their life and who doesn't. Senior clinical nurse Ethan Edwards at Royal Cornhill Hospital in Aberdeen with more. But obviously there would have to be a mental health side to it, would have to assess people to make sure that they had the capacity to make that decision. So yeah, I guess I'm, I'm for it, but it would have to be looked at individually. Each individual would have to be assessed. Any bill is likely to be presented to Parliament next year at the earliest. Fancy a woo-woo or a Cosmo? Edinburgh Cocktail Week is underway this week. Sasha Gumenyuk reports. In just a few hours, this place will be buzzing with life. With cocktails being served at just £5, this could be one of the best alternatives for going out on a budget. Sam Maxendil, a Jägermeister barman, shares his experience of serving drinks at the main cocktail venue. Students, I think it's, it's a fun way of finding out sort of maybe some new bars that you don't know about, different, uh, meet some new people, seeing some new stuff. Obviously, student life is about coming and trying new stuff. And again, you might not necessarily be from Edinburgh, so it's a place of being introduced to what we have to offer, have a bit of fun, you know. With one little colourful wristband, you get opportunity to access all the venues, pop-ups and loads of cocktails. Victoria Telfer, an Edinburgh-based content creator, has received a PR invite for the Cocktail Week this year. I think um, to all the people who go, it would be just really nice to, you know, whether they use social media regularly or not, it would, it's always nice to spread the word about something like this, because social media presence for festivals or things like Edinburgh Cocktail Week always spreads awareness and helps them survive as a, as a company, as a festival. So I would just always encourage people to share with as many as they can. The Edinburgh Cocktail Week will run until the 16th of October, so you still have a chance to grab your cocktail. Now in sport, here is our sports correspondent, Aaron Proctor, with the latest. Now, the latest sport highlights on Radio Energy. Hibs has said that they believe there was no racist language used by fans during their 1-0 defeat at Dundee United on Tuesday. A statement from the Leaf Club said that investigations conducted alongside the home side point towards derogatory language coming from the away stand at Tannadice, but not language of a racial nature. Hearts fans have been enjoying their trip to Italy ahead of the Jambos' Europa Conference League clash with Florentina this evening. Earlier today, we caught up with Jamie McIntosh, who's been enjoying the Florence sunshine. Well, I think uh, not too many people are expecting much from tonight's game. Uh, I think realistically Hearts will probably be lucky to only lose by a couple of goals tonight against Fiorentina side who domestically aren't doing great, but they still outclassed Hearts at Tynecastle last week. You've still got about 4,000 Hearts fans here um, and the sun's shining out here in the city of Florence. So they're all out enjoying themselves for a few beers, as am I. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. As for a score prediction, I'm not really too bothered. As long as Hearts go out and have a go, I think most fans will be happy with that. I'll say a rather optimistic 3-1 to Fiorentina. Rangers suffered a devastating 7-1 defeat at the hands of Liverpool in their Champions League fixture at Ibrox last night. With an upcoming game against Motherwell on Sunday, keeping the team's morale high could be difficult. Here is what manager Giovanni van Bronckhurst had to say. Well, we have, to, um, we have three days to do so. It's uh, obviously at the moment still uh, the emotions from, from today, which is which also what we need to feel because the, the performance we had, the overall performance, the result is not the way we want to represent this club. 
So that's uh, no excuses for this performance today from no one. And uh, we need to process that. And in rugby, Rachel McLachlan and Emma Orr will return from injury to start for Scotland in the team's World Cup Pool A game against Australia in New Zealand on Saturday. And finally, the brand new musical The Shar Show is making its Edinburgh debut at the Festival Theatre. We sent our reporter Cara Blackhall to the theatre to find out more. Are you ready to turn back time? The Shar Show is at the Festival Theatre this week for its Edinburgh debut. The show will be playing consecutively for five nights, bringing a new musical to the city. The theatre will be filled with not only Shar fans, but dazzling outfits, merchandise and cocktails designed especially for the show. Bethany Bugden is the Festival Theatre Cafe Supervisor and she's really excited for a different kind of show to be coming to their theatre. I'd never really heard of it before and after watching the promo and hearing it was coming to us, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think that it's like a new kind of show for us because we're quite used to like classic musicals and comedians and that kind of thing. This is quite an up-to-date um, vibe of musical. Um, working in the cafe, we have quite a lot of regulars, uh, like our older regulars, and pretty much all of them have tickets and have said that they're excited to come. I am inside the Festival Theatre, where Cher fans are raring to get inside the auditorium for the opening night of the Cher Show. The theatre is filled to the brim with merchandise, glamorous outfits and cocktails made especially for the show. Both the staff and guests can't wait to get inside, to turn back in time and listen to some of their favourite Cher classics. The share show is on at the Festival Theatre from the 11th until the 15th of October for both evening and matinee performances. Tickets are still available to buy for the duration of the week. Rest assured you're in for a good show because you haven't seen the last of Share yet. That's all from us today. Thank you very much for tuning in. This has been Ian for News. We'll be back same time tomorrow.